Mike is back. The battle with Eliza is past. Now, he must strike out once again in a desperate race against time, as his son and best friend are succumbing to the zombie virus within them. What he does not know is that an old foe has risen up, and a more insidious threat has emerged, not just to the Talbots, but to all of humanity, in Zombie Fallout Book 7, For the Fallen. This is the Chronicles of Michael Talbot, the podcast. One seven, right? Book seven, yeah. The rise of Dino, as I like to call it. Yes. Because she is, uh, for a, a minor character, uh, and we're going to kick things off right now. For a minor character in book one who basically had a blip, and then book two wasn't really that prominent, but was kind of one of those characters that just hung around in the background. Dino is... I want to say she's almost as badass as Eliza because she's a human for one. She has a soul for two. She knows right. She knows right from wrong. (laughs) And she's a fucking bitch. She's just evil as all hell. And you find out later She's responsible for the whole friggin' thing. The whole fucking thing. She's unknowingly responsible, though. <sighs> Did she though? Did she? I think she knew what was not the zombie aspect of it, but she knew what the the vaccine was going to do. Yeah, she didn't know that she was a direct result in stopping yeah. it. Like if she would have been five minutes later, everything mm-hmm. would have been like delayed. So. Yeah, she didn't know that, you know, like when we talked about in ZF0, that the virus was live and instead of just killing everybody, it was going to reanimate them. She thought it was just going to kill everybody. Then she was going to go take her rightful place on the throne next to her husband. She was going to take out her husband and then put a rightful place on the throne next to everybody else because Dixon's got a crush on her for some strange reason. Uh, And she was going to rule up on high. But she she did it. I mean, she did it and she released the virus early. You find out, I mean, we're skipping to the end. We're going to go out of order in this one. I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> you find out that she released the virus early or oh, the, the, the vaccine early out of her husband's warehouse where it was held. And this is, you know, this is the end of the book. This is a Talbot. So this is the epilogue part two, where you're like, all right, this is cool. Some drug stories with Mike and Dennis and everything else. Um, you know, a couple of things Beth is in there and holy shit, Dino's responsible for all of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think you might have misspoke though, Jeff. Sure. I don't think she released the virus. I think um what happened was um one of his workers had sent the virus um had sent the vaccine out and Dino, the um Senator Dino had to authorize for it to come back. But Dino killed him before he was able to make that call. Is that what that so was? She, yeah, so because okay. she killed him. Yeah, so before it would be, um, because she killed him, um, he wasn't able to make that call, and the vaccine went all the way out. Ah, yeah, that's what it was. Okay, okay, okay. Granted, explains- your ending was good too. Your ending was good too. <laughs> if but- I was going to rewrite the ending, do the Jeff Royds cut? <laughs> It'd be that. It'd be that. Seven. So, so uh, we got someone new tonight. Uh, joining me is my co-host Amber Smith. What's up, everybody? And Mr. Steven Diaz was in the chat last week, 
and decided to take the plunge and join us. So welcome, Steve. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. If it looks like I'm looking up uh, when I'm kind of talking or not talking, the way my camera is, my monitor is a giant TV on my wall and my camera's kind of right below it. So I have to, my peripheral vision is okay. So just, if you don't think I'm kind of looking up, I got a whole new camera set up and everything like that. So what's up, Nate? What's up, Aaron? Um, so Steve, tell us a little bit about yourself. What got you into the world of Mark Tufo? Oh God. Uh, I'm actually a really huge zombie fan. So I, mm -hmm. I, I look for anything I could, I could watch any shows or movies like that. So now I was like, I want to branch off into like a book, a zombie book. So I looked for zombie books and I kept finding um, what's called Mountain Man mm -hmm. by uh, Keith C. Blackmore. Started that. It's also a great one. Mm -hmm. And then I kept, I, I found um, Rotten World. I forgot who that's by. And then I found uh, Don O'Brien. Um, what's called uh, A New World. Yep. And then I saw that him. And Mark Tufo did a crossover. So then I was like, oh, let me look into Mark Tufo. And then I found I found uh I found Zombie Fallout like three or four years ago, actually at the start of COVID. Mm -hmm. So being that I was working through COVID, I was like, all right, I'll, let me just start this, start this audiobook. And then ever since then, I just I couldn't stop listening to the audiobooks. Just kept going, going, found out that he had a whole bunch of other branches or I should say alternate realities mm -hmm. with uh, Michael Talbot. And ever since then, I just stuck with it. I started uh, like and fall out from him, which is also a great one. And then his little, like you said before, short stories, uh, even De uh, devil's desk. I started that and just, Went into the world of Mark Tufo and just never left. <laughs> like the all of us, he stuck us in. <laughs> We're stuck here now. It's a so. weird place. Welcome in. Welcome in. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. What's up, Jason? Jason joining us this week in the chat. So, mm -hmm. hey, Chris. Now I feel bad that Chris and Jason aren't on this week. But they're joining us spiritually and on the, the other side of things. So this is good. <laughs> um so yeah so like we were talking about so let's go back to the beginning because the not really as far as plot goes in this story this book not a lot happens i don't want to say it's a lot of filler because it's it's a zombie book and there are zombies in this and zombies are chasing mike and everything but kind of the main plot of the story is mike is trying to find Doc Baker because he needs to find a cure for the zombie virus to stop the zombie virus that is inside Justin and BT. Because now that Eliza's gone, her influence on the zombies, on the human virus inside the bodies, she can't stop it anymore. And for some reason, Mike can't as well, and neither can Tommy. Eliza was kind of the catalyst of all of this that held it all together. She was the nucleus, the glue that could speak to the zombies. And now that she's dead, the, the virus is just going to wreak havoc on BT and Justin. And Mike's afraid that he's going to have to put a bullet or whatever in his best friend 
and his son. So sure. they go off on a journey. And BT has the great line of the zombie apocalypse is just one long road trip. And Mike's just sitting there thinking, was like, holy shit. Yeah, it is one long road trip. <laughs> you know, how many states have they been to? They, they've pretty Seriously. much, you know, like Johnny Cash. I've been everywhere, man. They've they've gone from Colorado to where was the mother? Uh, her, her mother. She's in the one of the Dakotas up north yeah. somewhere. North Dakota, I think. North Dakota to Maine. Did they go to? I don't think they went to Florida. Uh, Virginia, nah, not Pennsylvania. Yet. Um, they've been through obviously New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and all of that. It's kind of crazy. Like they're, they're doing the 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 United States 500 tour on this whole zombie thing. So seriously, oh. I'll say two. I'll say two things to that. So one thing, the fact that you said um, I've been everywhere by Johnny Cash. The first thing I think of is Rihanna. I've been everywhere. Man. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a gap there. Uh, <laughs> it's not a racial thing, people. Okay, not at all. I promise, it's not. It's not. It might be. Okay. <laughs> I love Rihanna. But, uh, she's amazing. Who doesn't? Um, but another thing, like I, I feel like, like I drive trucks. Okay, I've been around. Okay, even if there's no traffic, I'm like, how are you knowing where people live? Like, I barely know where my friends live and I've been to their house. Like, I have to go to somebody's house like at least four times for me not to, like, for me not to use my GPS to get to their house. So mm -hmm. how are they, like, to me, it's amazing that they're like, oh, yeah, I just took 95, now I just took 462, whatever, all the yeah. way we got there. I'm like, there's no way I could ever do that. Like, I'm not that, I grew up in the world of uh, uh, MapQuest. So I, I've never had to figure my way out. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, that behind the scenes, one of them's holding a map. And they're just screaming at each other. It's like it's like a, I feel like it's like a family road trip for them. Mm -hmm. One of them yeah. is screaming, and they're just like charting their way as they go on like a map with like a marker, like a pen, with the pins and the little strings and everything. It would have been great if one yeah. had a cell phone camera or something like that, and they could just document the whole thing. You know, yeah, my summer yeah, vacation, killing zombies. <laughs> so Nate is actually on his lunch break, spending his lunch break with us. Thank you, Nate. Nice. Um, so Azil, we find out that after the battle up at Ron's, Azil left. She just disappears in the middle of the night. I forgot to check on this one. Is this where the Lycan Fallout series started before book seven, or is it right after it? Does anybody Lycan, know? When Lycan, Lycan Fallout Fallout comes out, when, when is that in the, the zombie Fallout world? When it came out or when it starts? When it starts. Like, where in the timeline does it start? If you get the whole Mark timeline, I can't bring it up on my computer right now. Um, I, because he I mentioned that it, Azil disappears in the middle of the night. She does something to BT. He can't remember what. And, you know, she's gone. We went looking for a little while, but we can't find her. And then we find out in Lycan Fallout that she does some kind of witch voodoo mojo. There's an interaction between her and BT on the porch at Ron's. And she just disappears. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think that she leaves and goes to training, um, her witch's training. And I think she's gone for years and years and years because like in Fallout starts 150 years in the future. Right. I knew that. But in the time that you mean, so you're talking about like the book timeline. Yeah. yeah when it's been, when it it off. Where it branches off. Yeah. 
Because they two kind of intersect a little bit just on when it starts. It could probably be this one or the Is next it, one at least. It's, Nate says it like it starts at six. Thank you, Nate. That's why we have you here, buddy. So take it Thanks, from the Nate. kid that read his book, wrote a book report in school on zombie fallout in like middle school. <laughs> So, Even Aaron Nate, called out Nate. <laughs> yeah. Nate, uh, I got to say, is uh, our number one fan, according to Spotify. Uh, Spotify does their yearly, hey, you know, we want to keep you interacting. This is what you do. And his number one podcast was Chronicles of Michael Talbot. He's listened over to like, you know, uh, 1,100 hours or however many hours of, 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 of show that we have. So, Nate, nice. book. so thank you, Nate very much for being our number one fan or at least according to spotify so spotify doesn't lie nope <laughs> spotify doesn't lie. Uh, so they give eliza a viking burial where they stack her up in the backyard with on a bunch of wood and they just light her body on fire and tommy and mike stay until the end and i, I thought to myself is that too humane of a death for Eliza? Anyone? I don't think so because Tommy, as evil as she was, Tommy still, I think, had faith in her to, I guess, come from the dark side. So I think out of everything that she does, Tommy still wants to treat her like his big sister. Yeah, I can see that. But even Mike stays to the end and kind of says a little bit of nice, not nice things about her, but he wasn't like, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead kind of thing. It was so much power in a person that he stayed to the end. And even with the blood locket, he didn't pick it up or throw it or destroy it. He just kind of kicked it underneath all the soot of the buried body when, you know, the, 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 the wood kind of caved in on itself and her body fell in of the fire. He kind of paid a little bit of respect to her, which was a little bit odd for somebody that totally tore his world upside down and fucked with him so much. I I totally agree with that, but I think, um, so two things. You said, is that uh, humane enough of a burial for her? I think mm -hmm. it was the most thorough way to kill to bury her. Wood chipper. And Mike was like, yeah, I think Mike was like, yeah, we're not going <laughs> to. Yeah, I mean, what, that's really messy. I mean, he's yeah. already a germaphobe. Like, so, yeah. so I think that was probably like the most thorough way to make sure. And I know that partially he probably stayed. Um, he probably stayed to make sure she completely burned and made sure there was absolutely nothing left. But then it's like, you know, I want to make sure she doesn't come back no matter what. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. um, I think. God, I, like, I understand a lot of this is crazy, crazy stuff. I'm not saying I, I validate it, but it mm -hmm. probably hit Mike a different way to actually be there when her father did those terrible things to her. It's like, I get it. It's not an excuse, but I get it. So I'm at least, you know, give you this amount of respect. Like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I think right. that's like what happened there. I'm going to say two things about not about uh, a burning being a thorough death. Um, Halloween two and Freddy Krueger came back worse than ever by being burnt. So I got I got to call I got to call bullshit on that one Amber. Wood chipper. No Halloween ends on that. Just toss it right in. That's my opinion. 
Rod's got more that that He's got to have a wood chipper. So. That's valid. That's valid. That's valid. That's valid. They're not going back on that. Can you imagine Eliza as Freddy Krueger? Oh, God. I thought Freddy Krueger. Okay, quick. Quick side note, I've never, I only watched Freddy one time and I watched it when they remade it, right? So I never watched the original one. Like uh, Chucky was always my thing. I love Chucky, right? What? So I never, but I never, I, I love Chucky. It's recent uh, pieces. We may not be able and to be friends anymore. What do you mean I'm obsessed? I but, don't like Chucky. Um, but anyway, different podcast. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> so when the new Freddy came out, I went to the movies to watch it. We were a group of my friends went to the movies to watch it. I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. So I go to the movies and I'm like, he gets you in your sleep. Like I'm freaking out because I'm like, that's the most, that's the most scariest part that he fucks with you in your sleep because I am a nap sleep person. Do not fuck with my sleep. I will be the meanest person ever. And the mm-hmm. fact that he kills you in your sleep, I would have been dead the first 10 minutes of the damn movie. Like there's no way. All like right, that, watch, that's me was horrifying. Watch the original with Robert England and Johnny Depp. It's Johnny Depp's first movie. It will scare the living piss out of you more I than anything co- ever had steve have you the seen the original that scares me not the original no uh i like jackie earl ha- jackie earl haley i believe it was um mm-hmm. but the original the very first nightmare on elm street before he went all comical and you know all bart simpson-esque literally scared the crap out of you uh Nate probably has no idea what we're talking about because Freddy Krueger is probably too too old for him, and us old people are discussing some really old movie uh, back in the day. But some of my <laughs> older peeps, Aaron will tell you, and uh, you know, I'm sure Chris and uh, and 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 uh, shit, I forget the other guy's name. I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. And uh, why, Jason? Thank you very much. Wow, Jason, Freddy versus Jason. Uh, we'll tell you that. The, just watch the original. All right. Just that's all I got to say. So oh, there we you, there. you have homework. Um, got it. <laughs> I thought it was done my homework. Yeah, it's, we have more homework. So <laughs> I saw the one. What is Nate saying? I saw the one from the 80s, I think. See, there you go. Jason. Yes, Jason. Sorry. I totally messed up. Unless it's right in front of me, Jason. I am not going to remember it. And I apologize greatly. Um so one thing they do notice is that the zombies are acting differently as they're leaving Ron's. They're just, they don't know where they're going, but they just, mm-hmm. they're using the force to try to find doc Baker and they're on the road and they're noticing that the zombies are kind of just doing their zombie thing again. They're just kind of milling around before the zombies had a purpose. They were all being hoarded and heading in one direction. And now without Eliza's influence, they're back to the zombie 1.0 2.0 version where they see food and they go after it. But the one thing that they're starting to do now is they're starting to evolve because they don't have Eliza controlling them. They're starting to pick up on and memories that they have on how to open doors and how to climb up on things and how to do things that the zombies now that we have in the series that they can do. So is are the zombies more terrifying without Eliza? Or with Eliza. I'm saying without Eliza pulling the strings. Granted, Eliza was horrifying in her own right. But now that the zombies are are evolving and they're thinking, they're kind of showing cognitive behavior that they can do stuff. I'm going on that the zombies are now more terrifying than they were before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, what do you think? I don't know. Immediately when you said open doors, I just thought of the one scene from Jurassic Park. 
when the rapper <laughs> opens the door and how terrifying yeah. that would have been. Yeah. And now it's just like a zombie just doing that. Like you thought you were safe in like, let's say your car. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it starts going for the door handle or the fact that it can actually distinguish between a doorknob and a handle. What's yeah. next? I mean, there are so many different types of door handles on cars. You know, you got the, the old school push button one, you yeah. got the, 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 the lift up latch and, I mean, they probably didn't have electric vehicles back then where you use your fingerprint identification. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you get on a, a tractor trailer or a truck, um, you know, they're a little different too. So the zombies, are, they're really learning and it's its kind of frightening On with with that. For me, that's at just... At a fast pace too. Say that again? They're doing it at a fast, at a fast pace. Yeah, they're really starting yeah. to evolve quickly and i think that's one of the things that i liked so much about this book was because normally we get to the seventh of any any series it's kind of like and starts to slow down once again mark puts his foot on the pedal and he's amping this shit up saying okay we don't have eliza anymore how do i make this more terrifying all right let's give the zombies the ability to start thinking and learning and coordinating and they're starting to kind of hunt in packs where they're chasing after people, but if those people aren't no good, they'll go someplace else or they'll cause a diversion, kind of like raptors were, you know, back in the day, if the movies are correct in, you know, everything. It's the zombies are learning, and that kind of scares the shit out of me. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. No. Uh, yeah, because even I think even the worst part about it is like when you're in a fear situation, you don't necessarily think the entire time you're there. It's like either fight or flight. And it's like I'm trying to think on the go. And it's like to have an enemy like it's bad enough to have an enemy that's already thinking. But then it's like the fact that it's a zombie thinking is even 10 times more terrifying. Like it's just it's it, nah, nah. <laughs> well, it's like it's it's the zombie. There's there's like. And there's no emotion playing into them, into their dis- like decision-making mm-hmm. either. So it's literally just them being a predator, trying yeah. to figure out how can I get my food, as opposed to like being hunted by another person who has the emotional side to think about it. Like, this is just a zombie. Uh, I don't want to say mindless zombie anymore because it's now thinking, mm-hmm. how can I get my food the fastest way? It's just there's no... I guess thought process. It's just decision, 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 this, this decision. Like you said, if you were in a fight or flight, I guess situation, mm-hmm. you're thinking about running or fighting. This zombie is only thinking about food. How can I get it? Yeah, good point. Good point That's on that one. The scary part is that there's there's nothing behind the eyes of the zombie. You got to put yeah, yourself inside the mind of a zombie. Uh, yeah, there's I a lot think of it, <laughs> in, in all yeah. honesty, you got to put your you got to put your your yourself in the mind of a of a virus that's just trying to be its best self consistently over and over and over again. Like, mm-hmm. and that's not conceivable to us because we're not viruses. Like, at the end of the day, it's a virus that's either that's trying to both survive but then mutate and expand itself. It's like, we don't have any fucking concept of that. Like, what is that? And it's like, and the fact that they can communicate without talking, 10 times mm-hmm. worse. 
like it's just there, there's so many things. I mean, granted, zombie apocalypse. I'm not I'm not here for the long run, but if it were to happen, I'm like, yeah, who's surviving that? Like, I can't even lock my door anymore because it's like that's not going to help. Like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Not doing it. Yeah, no, you're back to the days of, you know, you used to be able to just leave your doors unlocked and now it's like, nope, shit, can't even do that anymore. They ruined that nope. for us. Can't somebody had mentioned it. Yeah, facts. Uh, somebody had mentioned in the chat that um, if you remember in book one with Hector and the pliers, and I think that mm -hmm. was right before. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I think if you kind of take that into perspective, um, they were already kind of moving and learning, but then Eliza came by, stifled all of that. And now they have a couple months of, like they probably would have been that smart in like month two, if Eliza when it came into the when it came into the mix. Well, how long did it take for them to develop speeders? There were speeders when Eliza was still around. So I, even then they were, were evolving. Yeah, yeah. So, but they were they were evolving they were evolving in a different way. But I think they weren't. I I don't think they were smart enough to do like car latches and stuff like that yet. But they mm -hmm. were still evolving to like speeders and like. Um, seeing if the food is worth it or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I was just thinking, I'm like, who the fuck is Hector? What the hell are they talking about? But I thought it was, <laughs> Nate that mentioned Hector. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Hector with the, when they were at the, 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 the army reserve place, the, when they were trying to get the razor wire down and Hector's trying to push it off. Yeah. Book two. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Damn Hector! I love the names that he gives to people. Was Hector his real name? Did he have a a, a name badge on? Did he yeah, just call him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He had the jumpsuit yeah. on. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. Mike had to specifically say, "I'm not being racist. This is his name tag." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's right. Uh, yeah. So the they're jumpsuit. on they're on the road, and before they leave, Mike tries to get Ron's Gatlin gun, and Ron tells him, "Do not ruin another truck." And they're not even down the end of the, the street. And Mike gets out and flips <laughs> flips Ron off and then deliberately scrapes the side of the truck against a tree. <laughs> Just to fuck with him because it's the Such big brother. You ruined so many trucks. And they get down the road and they're seeing zombies and they're, they're starting to hit the zombies and do a bunch of stuff. And all of a sudden, you just hear Ron's voice come through the P the the stereo speaker, like you won't even go on one day. And Mike's like, "What the hell?" Ron installed a microphone system and like GPS and all this, like OnStar. It, it's yep. OnStar basically in the truck to know what was happening to it. That he totally screwed everything up. And Ron once again has to come to the rescue. They're held up down at uh, they're on the Kittery. The Kittery, New library, Hampshire yeah. line, and they end up end up in a library where Ron has to come and try to get them. And Kittery to Searsport isn't that far away. It's maybe four or five hours, um, if if my math is correct from from driving in in Maine a lot. My one thing I always wanted to wonder, always wanted to wonder, wanted to know, and I never asked Mark this, and I think we should, if they're in Kittery. Dude, the Kittery Trading Post is right there. It's a huge, like, double-decker Walmart-esque Cabela's Bass Pro Shop-style store. Why is that never in one of the stories? And they're in Kittery. Why have them go to the library? Why not try to go to the Trading Post? 
that's just my, my my question for that. The place is awesome. It's overpriced, but it's awesome. <laughs> so, Never been. That. that would be a good place to go. It is a good place. And I like when they're in the library, Mike gets laid. And that's the best part because BT even knows you're going to get some, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Shitting them gold coins. Them too. Yeah. <laughs> and then Everyone the kids, kids avoiding <laughs> eye contact and going down to check the basement and everything else, which is kind of key because they see the zombies in the basement with the little windows that they're trying to get through, not realizing that the zombies now, because they can't think, as they try to stuff their ways in and some are getting killed, they're pulling the dead zombies out of the windows in the basement to try to get in. So if Mike and Tracy hadn't gotten busy up in the, you know, young horror adult section. section, wherever they were, yeah, horror section, <laughs> the kids would have went down to the basement. It would They would have never found the windows that the zombies were trying to get through. So... You know, the one time in a horror story that having sex doesn't get you killed is in a Mark Tufo book. It actually Love saved their, it actually saved their lives. So I don't know. I because I think Mike is just such a other than a germaphobe, um just so like what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Um hypochondriac, OCD. I guess OCD, been, that he yeah. would have definitely went down there just to check it out. Down to the, down to the basement? Yeah. I feel yeah. like he totally would have went down there, even if he didn't get laid in the horror section. I yeah, you want to go and check way down there. Definitely. You more BT. Yeah, we'd definitely go to yeah. check to check everything out. My, that's what I, I would do. I think I'm, yeah, I think I'm glad that uh, Mike didn't put two and two together because could you just imagine his comment like me and my magical dick like we some <laughs> shit like that as he's tips out yeah like I could just imagine him saying something like that if you would have put two and two together oh it's great it would have been I great think, I think also in this book we kind of get a little bit of a taste on how strong Tommy is um, because not only did he have to like basically pick bt up and get him inside of the library but he starts i i can't imagine how hard it is to rip up steps especially like an old building step like the building was probably built when they took uh pride in the um uh architecture that they built like yep. that could not have been easy at all and he just bare hands like ripping up steps like that i think it gives you a little bit of a taste on how strong uh tommy is Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Those. Uh, I don't want to jump ahead, but I think in another part of the book, you re- like you really see how strong he actually is mm-hmm. at, towards towards the end. Yep. Aaron's joining us from the closet. Are you in a closet, Aaron? Aaron's frozen. My internet is frozen. Your internet uh, sucks. We can hear you. Of, You're breaking up um, a lot, though. Let's see. Yeah, unfortunately, you're frozen, buddy. I'm sorry. Try yeah, to get if you're, if you're, try to get another person to jump on to uh, to finish off the quartet, but looks like Aaron's having internet issues. So. Yeah, if you if you need help coming out of the closet, I can help you. I can walk you through that. <laughs> <laughs> There's no connection issues with that one. <laughs> uh, I got I got oh. you. Aaron. 
perfect timing. <laughs> so, um, so oh, Ron and Gary, Ron comes down with Gary or Gary comes down with Ron, whichever. And they end up getting them out of the library after a while. And they're kind of trying to think of what, what can they do to make it easier? One thing I've always been saying throughout this whole thing is why not just get one of those giant DPU trucks with the snow plow on the front and the ones with a snow plow, it's kind of like a cow catcher on a train where it, it, it V's and you could push things off to the side as you're driving and just, you know, push them out of the way or this have the blade to the side, just, you know, you, you can get more traction. So they end up at a DPW building where, you know, they end up getting caught by hordes of zombies anyway. But Gary ends up kind of makeshifting a pretty bad ass. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it a, a, an apocalypse vehicle for all of that, what 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 ends mm-hmm. up having with it, um, which was kind of cool. I've that kind of answered my own question. When I was reading, I'm like, why don't they just go do this? You know, you have a, like, why are they going outside? Why does this, why does the chick with the big boobs and the blonde hair always go out into the woods looking her for her boyfriend who was just downstairs in the kitchen? You know, that's the basis of any horror story. It's why don't they just build a badass vehicle, go someplace or a military truck or something? They've always been driving military trucks, but let's get a snow plow. My question to you guys is what would be your ultimate? zombie apocalypse vehicle mm. i actually have two yeah. all Sorry right shoot um have you guys ever seen dawn of the dead the new one yes, yes. okay so do you remember when they're like outfitting those like little tiny buses in the basement uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah that would be one of them and the second one would probably be the vehicle from the Punisher where he outfits like the windows with like bulletproof, like metal that he can just like pull down. Oh, the Thomas James vehicle. uh, Punisher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Something like that. Where It's just completely, I guess in that sense, zombie proof. You need a welder important to be, or befriend a welder in a zombie apocalypse because they can build anything. Or I could just find Mark two foam, bring a case of beer. I don't know if Mark's a welder and he wouldn't want to drive his Jeep uh, into a zombie apocalypse. Still going to find him. <laughs> great time. I would agree. He's in the middle of nowhere. I think one of the biggest problems is that like when you, the bigger the truck, the louder it is. Like I'm thinking like what I use, like say like my trash truck, like I have two big ass metal forks that can come down and they, they would destroy anything that they touch but they're stationary they don't move any they, they move up and down that's it and mm-hmm. it's like well i could put something on top of it but even the newest trucks they're, they're loud like you can't like you put you have a diesel engine you're gonna have a loud truck and those are those technically be like the the more horsepower and stuff like that the stronger it's like am i going for loud and safe or do i want to jump in a prius and see how that works you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even the trucks with the DEF that are definitely significantly quiet. Now you got to find gas and you got to find DEF, you know? Yep. That's, yeah, that's yeah, a big problem. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I like the I like the concept. I like the concept of them like getting all these buses and souping them up and everything. But it's like you're you're gonna end up being screwed eventually because of the amount of noise that you're gonna make with these things. And they also don't. You can't. So somebody can't like jump in my truck and be like, "Hurry up and go." I'm like. No, it doesn't work like, like it doesn't take let just shoot off. Like I just and God forbid I'm I gotta go uphill. Like we're never gonna get above twenty-five. Like I understand. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Um so uh Jason in the chat is saying a hermit five ton military truck. I don't know what that is, but it's probably pretty big. Is my guess. Just so. from the name hermit, just think of like hermit crab. A hermit or a hemet, or a hemi? Is that what he's a hermit or hemet? I know. Eight, there's Her- no R. Hemet. 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 Oh, hemet. hemet. So, and yes, Chris, I do know Mark has a Bronco now. It's very nice. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, and we got a deuce and a, a deuce and a half would be great. Would be good if it um if it was in multi fuel version. Good point. I don't know what that is. Is that a big ass vehicle? I'm not a car person. I have no idea. I think the deuce and a half was referring to Mike shit and gold bricks. That that would be a deuce Agreed. and a half. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. That, that's if I can understand what the conversation is going on on the other side there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the mic. There you go. I'll be quiet. Yeah. So they're, um, they're really, th- we find out Dino's on the road and she ends mm. up stealing a tractor trailer from one of Kong's guys. And she sees a hitchhiker and first she sees somebody on the middle of the road with a car trying to ambush people. And she just goes full road warrior (laughs) at that car. And the guy just runs out of the way. And she's like, you know, is that what you expected? Kind of thing. And the guy's like, you're crazy, bitch. But she ends up finding someone else down the road and she makes him go through this whole series of not kind of kind of like hazing him to get into the truck. You know, the guy's out on the road. He's kind of scraggly. He's looking for help. Obviously isn't a threat, but you know, she makes him take off his clothes and turn around and take off your, your, your underwear and, you know, not hiding any weapons there. And he gets up in the truck and he says that his name is Dennis. And it didn't click with me at first that, okay, there's Mike, Paul, and there's Dennis. We haven't seen Dennis in this story at all because we know about Dennis from the spirit clearing and from Indian Hill and a little bit how Mike talks about with him and Paul, but you never hear about Dennis in this story. And now we have Dennis has been introduced into this and I'm like, this is going to be interesting. Where are they going with this? How does this all work out? And through the course of the ride, Dennis is talking to Dino and they're making small chit chat. And he's saying, you know, he had some friends out in Colorado, but you know, they have family up in Maine. He's trying to get up there because his family's all dead. He's from back East from Walpole. And Dino is kind of putting the two and two together. And she's got her hand uh, on the, on the, the butt of her revolver. Like you've got to be shitting me of all the gin joints in all the world. This is the one that walks into my joint. And it's one of Mike's best friends that is actually going to look for Mike after Dino screwed over Mike. And Mike is, you know, she's, and he killed responsible for Paul dying. It's probably your worst nightmare picking up a hitchhiker that is, is just this one, this, this particular person that you're picking up. It's 
kind of crazy about that. There was anybody else kind of mind blown about uh, that little bit there. Uh, I would say the first time I read it, no, because I didn't know who Dennis was uh, when I first read it. But obviously, knowing who Dennis was later, I'm like, oh, man, to know. Like, out of all the people, it's like, yeah, of course it has to be her. I mean, it, got, it has to be somebody else. So how now, again, another layer, how is he going to play into this? Because he's not, um, I think just like Paul, he's not gun savvy. He's not survival savvy like um, Mike. But it's like he got to be important in mm -hmm. some way. So what's going to happen here? Yeah, Steve. I I just I just think somebody's some all powerful being is just toying with Mike and just <laughs> make her. What are the 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 chances that Mike's best friend from childhood and growing up happens to find one of the most maniacal, smart toxic politician's wife ever mm -hmm. who just so happens to have survived the zombie apocalypse with Mike and she just finds him sticking his leg out trying to get a ride on the, on the side of the road. Yeah. It's, you know, it's when crazy, it, but it's, it, it, once again, it elevates the story into, Ooh, they got rid of yep. one friend. Now they got another one. Where are they going to go with this? How is this? How are these two going to? What happens when East meets West, so to speak? You know, because yep. you know that the, the, the two worlds are going to collide into no and Mike are going to run into each other. Or Mike and Dennis are going to run into each other. Or all three of them are going to run into each other. It's it's ooh, where are they going with this? Let's 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 get this going. This is going to be good. I was excited about that. That's one thing I like about Mark. It just seems to be stories within stories within stories, mm -hmm. and there's no there's 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 no end to it, and it just it just finds a way to just keep you focused. Like you said yep. in the beginning, this book there wasn't really it all. It kind of seemed like a filler book, but then it wasn't a filler book at all because it's just stories within stories. It's building. It's kind of starting this, not starting the series over, but the second chapter of the, or the second phase, you know, if you go and by whole, the whole Marvel universe thing, you know, they had Endgame in book six. Eliza's dead. Thanos snapped his fingers or Iron Man snapped his fingers. Thanos is dead. Everything goes back to the way it should be, sort of. And now they got to start over again. But this second half goes a hell of a lot better than the uh, the MCU universe. <laughs> it totally mm -hmm. if, if you follow the whole Marvel thing as to what is going on with all of that. Um, I mean, this is another reason, Kai, why I don't think and I don't want them to make zombie fallout into an actual television series. Because producers and studios always F it up. And they would F it up royally, I think. I totally agree with you on that one. I would agree. I, look what happened to Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah. And I, Walking Dead takes too many liberties, I think, from Zombie Fallout, too, it, it, mm, in my opinion. Yeah. Their writers really, really got to be two full fans and at least give a nod or something because it's it's really irritating when I see a lot of the stuff that they that they they talk about or they have on that show. And I'm like, this was mentioned in book four. Hmm. Interesting. I watched Walking Dead before I even heard a zombie fallout. And Me too. I, was like, I was like, this is 
this is kind of similar to to Walking Dead. And then I looked at the actual dates when things were released, and I was like, "Uh." Mm -hmm. yep. So there's a scene. Going to get off topic a little bit. Um, Mike talks about I've never been a rock star, and I don't know what it would be like to have all of these. He's looking out over hordes of zombies, and there's just thousands upon thousands of them. And he's like, I don't know what it's like to be a rock star up on stage having all these fans out there, but this is kind of what it must feel like, just having all these people out there watching you. Granted, these fans all, instead of wanting to tear your clothes off and you know and give you high fives, they want to literally rip the bones, the meat off of your bones and eat you. And yep. in the last season or the second to last season of The Walking Dead, when they had the Whisperers, the one guy that was with the main chick was you find out a former country star and he plays his music up in the balcony all the zombies start coming toward it and i was like are you shitting me (laughs) you know really Um, yep they had to take it they took it and that i was that's what i wanted to shut it off i was like all right i gotta see it through to the end and see what happens but i was so pissed off I was actually donating plasma at the time and I had my AirPods on and everybody's kind of staring at me. I audibly went, really? I was like, oh crap. <laughs> like that was my out loud moment. Like, are you frigging kidding me? They totally ripped that off and stole it. Well, I stopped watching The Walking Dead because it just kept getting too repetitive. Every yeah. season was just, just like the same thing as the other one. Yep. And no matter what they did, they always made it worse. They tried to make it better and intervene in other people's lives, but they ended up making it worse every single time. I agree with you with that one. But that's why I love these. I love these. I love Marchufaux for for that reason. Every book is different. Yeah. So far, it's just been, it's not like the same thing where, you know, they go, they find another group, they go into that group, and then blah, blah, blah. Someone Mm -hmm. comes takes them away whatever but like every book is different yeah and, mm-hmm. and every storyline seems to continue but it's different it's like you're going through this guy's life which is what it is actually but like, and when it gets stale they introduce trip and that just adds nothing. an extra level to the insanity um we find out in this story trip is reunited we got reunited last book in book six with Stephanie. Mike brings him to, he's in Philly. Uh, and Stephanie is at held up at a hotel that she works at, or she owns or one of those things. And in this book, the, the head guy that is kind of in charge of the whole thing can't stand trip because trip is trip and trip gets on people's nerves, but trip has that interdimensional link where he knows what's going on and what they should do. And if he says, Hey, I got to go down and get, you know, snacks from the vending machine, even though there is no vending machine, he's going downstairs for a reason. It's not for Mm -hmm. any particular, you know, that, that, that direct way, but indirectly he knows what's going to happen. It's kind of like Tommy with Ryan Seacrest, except it's the weed talking and the, the, the hallucinogens and whatever else trip is on. So they end up kicking, kicking Trip and Stephanie out. And karma being karma, as they're leaving, the door gets left open and the zombies come into the hotel and eat everybody. Um, so 
lesson to be learned. Don't kick people out if in a zombie apocalypse because you never know what's going to happen. But they end up trying to find a giant. They try to want to find a bus. And Trip's big thing is we got to get to the dead concert. We got to find a party. We got to find a bus. And they end up getting on a bus for a reason. There's a reason why they're on that bus. And Mm -hmm. they're over there and they find a Greyhound station or something and Trip and Stephanie are on the road in a bus and Trip is just driving down the middle of the lane. What what I understand, why did she let Trip drive? Because Trip can't drive for shit. He's even said it. Why did Stephanie let Trip drive the bus? He just jumped in the seat and kept on going. And I think at this I mean at this stage in their relationship, I'm sure Steph just lets him go and do whatever he does. Like mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, think she, I think she says that uh, he has like an army of guardian angels mm-hmm. that are always yeah. watching over him. So I, I think it's kind of more of like, listen, this, if this guy says, oh, yeah, I could drive the truck, I would let him drive the truck because something's watching over him or, or he just knows how to drive a truck. Yeah, similar and to how Mark. Company. Yeah, similar to how Mike knows. I don't know how he knows it, but. He knows it. I don't know why we're following him, but we should just follow him. There's a reason for it. And Trip is like, you know, the shits the Trip is the one that shits the gold coins every time because he always seems to find his way to get whether he's he seems like he's getting in the jam worse, he's getting you out of it at the same time without even knowing it. Because yep. that's the character of Trip. Um they end up getting into a horde of bikers. And ends up killing one of the bikers. The bikers are trying to kill them. And the these bikers follow them from roughly, I believe they're on 495 up in Massachusetts. And I had commented in Mark's fan page the other day. I'm like, this is the one time uh, the, 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 the line in it is, if we're going to stake straight and go stay on 95 and go through Boston... Or do we get on 495? Because 495 kind of loops around and comes back to 95. 95 kind of goes straight up and down. 495 is a big loop. But it's a pain in the ass road. And it's never a good idea to take 495. Anybody who lives in Boston knows what I'm talking about. Anybody who doesn't tell me to shut the hell up and move on. Because you have no idea what I'm talking about. But I said it one time that driving on four, that taking 495 worked out. Because as Trip and Stephanie are doing their thing on 495, Mike and them are coming down 495. And they end up meeting up and Mike ends up helping them get more, get rid of some more of the bikers. Um, and they end up just, it's a long ass chase. They chase them from Boston down to, is it Georgia, Virginia, where they are, North Virginia, West Virginia, South Virginia. Carolina. I think they said West, I think they said West Virginia. Was it West Virginia? Like yeah. they're just bored. And they got a lot of gas, obviously, because they drive halfway down the East Coast just to kill Trip and Stephanie because they're pissed off. That's really like a vendetta. Yeah, yeah. you really can't be that bored in the apocalypse. Like, bro, you got some, you got <laughs> some fly or something somebody. that needs to happen. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah, man, not at all. it's funny because Mike and them are traveling and they end up crossing by each other and it's like, hey, it's Punch. Uh, so they end up hooking up and Stephanie's excited to see Mike and the whole family. And, you know, they all get to get, they're all, uh, the, the bus is gone. So they're in the, 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 the uh, DPU. Yeah. DPU, DCU, whatever truck, uh, they're in the dump truck with the plow 
and they end up holed up down somewhere in one of the Virginias, um, West Virginia. They end up going into an apartment complex to try to lose the zombies and the bikers that are chasing them. And inadvertently, the bikers ended up screwing themselves where they got into the apartment above Mike and all of them being chased by the zombies and end up trying to shoot through the floor to get down to Mike and all of them. Mike finds out where they are and ends up killing them. And this is kind of one of the first time Mike did a cold-blooded thing where he the, the walls are really thin or the, the, the ceiling and floors are really thin in this building. And one guy is saying, I can't hold them. They're going to break through the door. And Mike can tell where the door is. And he shoots up the ceiling into the floor and hits the guy at the door. And the zombies rush in and yeah. kill them. It's kind of that Mike did a, a really bad thing, but for a good reason, because he had to save his family. And these guys kind of, I think they had it coming to him. They were kind of being pricks. Chasing them down the whole East Coast, shooting at them, trying to kill their friends for no reason whatsoever, just the fact that they were. And apparently, yep. most motorcycle people in the apocalypse are jerks. I think it's if you're driving- a necessary evil. Say that again? Yeah. It was a necessary evil for Mike to do that. Yeah, exactly. It was like, oh, this is like horrible, but like, we need to survive. Yeah. What are you going to say, Amber? Um, Oh, uh, um, yeah, I, I think that if anybody's crazy enough to uh, just assume that um, they can ride around on a loud ass motorcycle with no protection. Yeah, you're you're not you're not out here having fun. You're not mm-hmm. you're not out here. But you're not a good guy. There's there's nothing good about that at all. Nope. Nope. Yeah. So what are the things uh, they find? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. I th- also, uh, let's not skip over the fact that this is when uh, another spinoff happens when uh, BT and Mike are filling up the gas. Um, in the in the dump truck where BT tells him that um, Callus is the reason he's not a cop anymore. And it didn't make any sense to me when I first read it. And when I heard it this time, I was like, <gasps> I didn't I even hear that. Whoa, 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 what was this? I listened to this three yeah. times in the past four days. I missed when, this. Yep. When they're filling up gas in the um, in the dump truck um, and the motorcycles are just waiting for them, like they're not, it's right before they blow up the um, the gas station. Okay. Um, be, Mike, um, BT's like, I used to be a cop. And Mike's like, what? What do you mean? I, I, I would have known part. that. Yeah. And then um, when BT walks around the truck and he was like, it, it was a girl named, it was a girl named Callis is the reason why he's not a cop anymore. But he said it under his breath, like really low. Like it was a quick, like Easter egg right in there. And you did like, I, like I obviously, it didn't register anything to me when I first read it. Cause I obviously didn't read Callis Rose yet. But yep. now that I read it, Again, I'm like, I can't wait to hear BT's backstory again. So I can like, it, it just adds more depth when you read the other books. Shit, I totally missed that. Yeah, it was fucking yeah, great. I, I, was, I, called, I called Mel right away. I was like, babe, you <laughs> you're not going to believe what just happened. <laughs> and she already knew, but she actually excited. references Callus in... I want to say United States of Apocalypse. I think he references Callus in there, but um, yeah, I think he does. I'll have to listen to that again to try to, I know he BT was a cop in uh, yeah. USA, but I don't remember the Pope out of Callus, but me, I remember him saying he shot, he shot a kid or he shot someone or something to that effect. So that, uh, that I, could be what you, you're referring to. 
Or yeah. are you thinking of Shrouded World when he had the crippling nightmares of shooting a kid, and that's why he can't get a job at the cop? That might be what I'm thinking of, because I was thinking of Shrouded World too when you were mentioning that trip. Like it was, it's the weed talking for Trip, and then how it explains Trip and a little bit of Shrouded World. I think I'm, I think I'm thinking of that one. It's okay, Davila. I literally just finished reading Shrouded World. I never finished it before, and I just finished it. So, yeah, uh, BT and Shrouded World. He he can't be a regular cop just because he has the crippling nightmares of killing a girl. Yeah. Shrouded World is a mind f. It was. It was. It really is. I think I'm on like book three, and it's just. I I think I reread the first one after reading the second one because I was like, "What is going on?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely. I've read it. I've read it once. And it's something definitely. I'm looking forward to reading again. But after I've read everything else, now that I've read like in Fallout and I've got United States of Apocalypse and all the other side stories, Shrouded World kind of ties them all together. Oh, I'll probably does. enjoy it a little bit more. Understand it a little bit more. Where I I didn't before. It was I just knew the zombies. That was it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Oh, um, so when they blow up the gas station, uh, good, good lead into this, Amber, we, there's a cut scene to military base and they have satellites and they still have capability and they still have technology. And they call in one of the head guys. It's like a uh, gas station just blew up and that's a big ass fireball. And those are people. And they're kind of wondering what's going on. So now we see that, they're being watched by a higher entity that's the military that is still some sort of function that is still around down there in Virginia. Um, we find out that Dano and Dennis are driving down somewhere. She's not really telling Dennis where she's going, but she tells Dennis, I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. You drive. And she's basically out like a light in two seconds, but she sleeps with her eyes open because that's how evil she is. Was but anybody she, surprised about that? I was like, no. I'm not surprised this bitch sleeps with her eyes open. No, it's fucking creepy. Like, not one bit. No. So, but she not talks in sleep, and she's so she's saying he was a zombie. That's why I shot him. You can't prove anything. He was already dead. It doesn't matter. Like just all this kind of crazy shit that Dennis is like, what the f is she talking about? She did some messed up stuff that I'm not supposed to be hearing right now because she doesn't know that she's saying it. Dennis should be piecing out right now, getting the hell out of this truck, finding another vehicle and just getting as far away from her as possible. I think that's in the back of his mind this whole time. But I think he's lonely and needs the, and wants the companionship because he's lost his whole family. And Deneau tells him once he finds out that He's looking for his friend, Michael Talbot. She immediately comes in with, he's dead. You know, well, how do you know Mike? Oh, you mean Mike and Tracy and Justin and Travis and Nicole, they lived in Little Turtle and their father up in Maine. And she gives Mike, his, she gives tells Tony that she knows the Talbots and she tells Dennis that they're all dead. Mike is dead. Tracy's dead. The father's dead. Maine is gone. Dano got out by the skin of her teeth and tells him this cock and bull story how before they went and fought Eliza, who was a vampire, which totally blew Dennis's mind, that Mike put her in the cab of the truck to protect her and she barely got out by the skin of her teeth and, oh, woe is me! You know, and I'm just listening to this like, oh, wow, she is weaving quite the friggin' tale. Mm -hmm. 
But they end up in Virginia as well. And they roll up to what looks like to Dennis an abandoned base or a gate or something. And it turns out that Dano knows exactly what is inside there because the guy that comes out, the guard, she knows him. And she calls him by his first name. Don't ask me what it is right now because I can't remember it. But she calls him by his first name, you know, whatever. Um, she goes and gets one of the the head. He goes and gets one of the head dudes because she tell he knows who she is. And she is let into the base. And when the guy asks who Dennis is, she says that that's her boy toy. <laughs> Which I thought was frigging hilarious. But you should probably arrest him because he's unsafe. So Dennis goes on this whole journey with her. He's lonely, wants some kind of companionship because his family's dead. His friends are dead. The Where he was going, he believes everybody to be gone. And now that he finds this crazy old woman who he kind of be friends and ha he thinks is having a companionship with like on the road or whatever, she just wants one thing to get where she wants to go, screw him over and says, yep, you should probably throw him in. Uh, we may need him in the near future. You know, Dino's mm -hmm. thinking five moods ahead, but it's, is there no level to how evil she is and where she will go and what she will do to get what she wants? Nope. <laughs> she's, getting that all, she's getting that think, all day every day yep I think they, all, they all say that mike is the one with no soul i i, I swear to god i don't think she has one the no lost her soul in preschool that's, that's what makes her so born with one eviler because she has a soul but she it's black and it's probably it's charred with Paul Malls and Benson and Hedges and whatever crappy cigarette she smokes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think the one thing that was kind of crazy was um, that Dano knows. Like, I think Dano understands. Like, she's all about the power moves. She mm -hmm. play, She's playing chess all day, every day, and there's nothing's going to change that. And I think the fact that she understands that the uh, – the circumstances which brought Dennis to her, she's like, I got to see this out no matter what. And I'm like, see, that's, mm, do you though? Like, do you though? And she did. So I think that was one of the things that was very interesting was that she was like, I got to see this through. Like he was, he's here for a reason. I'm going to keep him locked up, but I got to see it through why Dennis is here. And I'm like, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised you did that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I actually yeah. have a question for you guys. What's up? What's up? Do you think if if Dano was if Dano and Mike if their roles were reversed for as smart, tactical, and as emotional as caring is, do you think that's the same for Dano for how evil she is? They're just kind of like mirror versions of each other, and one good, one evil. Yeah, because there has to be good and evil in every story to make it interesting. Yeah, I would agree. And I think it's all about the moves for morality. Like Mike is all about protecting his people. And just he just wants everybody to be safe. Like if everybody could just be up at Ron's house with no zombie virus going through their body and then like weeding out and going through the apocalypse at his house, he'd be fine with that. But there's mm -hmm. always something that keeps making it so that he has to do something else to protect his family. And Dino's all about protecting herself and her well-being. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't care what she has to do to get that. Yeah. Same way with Mike. Same way with Mike. He doesn't care what he has to do to make sure his family's safe. 
Dinot doesn't care mm. what she has to do to make sure she gets that next step. Yeah, because you end up finding out that Dinot ends up shooting her husband. Yeah, I've been like noticing a lot of things where it's like they're kind of like light and dark of each other. And that's why they really, other than her being an evil, an evil person, why they really can't get along because they're so alike, but just in such different ways. Almost. True. Is it the next book of the book after where they end up working together though to get out of the the base? That should that should be the next book. That's Is that the, the next one. book? So getting because uh we're gonna we're gonna start wrapping things up here a little bit. They end up getting into the base. Mike and them, the military ends up helping out Mike. They're in the shit. Zombies are coming down. Uh but they're noticing they got the 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 drones and the cams. They're noticing that there are seven or eight people in a truck. One of them's fever is really high. BT is really starting to fade. Um, he knows his time is limited. And Mike's big thing is he's pissed and upset because he doesn't want to have to put his best friend down because BT is really starting to fade and the fever is taking over and the zombie virus is really starting to take over. Um, and he feels that he failed because he hasn't found Doc Baker yet. And he doesn't think BT is going to make it. And he knows if BT doesn't make it, then Justin's next. Um, the military is watching them from the drone and they're noticing that they got some people are doing okay. There's uh, a dog with them, but two of the heat signatures don't seem as heated. They look a little grayish, a little kind of off center. They're not sure what's going on. And those are the two that they say when they're watching them, everybody else is fighting. Everybody else is tired. These two seem to be speeding up and they're really, really fast. Kind of like he mentions when you watch an old time movie, everything looks a little sped, sped up. Mike and Tommy are really just kicking ass and just going at it. Trip thinks they're playing whack-a-mole because they're leaning over the side of the truck, just smacking zombies around the truck to get them out. And he is just having a friggin' blast. I thought that was great. And he's, you know, concerned about getting a prize and BT makes the comment of, you know, does he think he's at Dave and Buster's, you know, <laughs> which I thought was awesome. And this is the first time BT meets trip. And he's like, I didn't think any other cracker was crazy than you, Mike, but this guy takes the cake. Oh, yeah. Um, TP. yeah. He thinks his BT's name TP. is TP and that he's native American and all this other stuff. But, the the militants up sending a helicopter, a rescue copter, and they get everybody and they all go up one at a time in the basket. And they're taking everybody up two at a time. And BT takes Henry up. And then Mike and Tommy are standing there next and they're last. And Mike asks Tommy, what do you think our odds are? And Tommy's like, right now, you want to ask what our odds are of surviving this, you know? What are you thinking? And they end up getting up in the basket and Mike's in the basket. And Tommy's kind of hanging over the edge. And Mike's noticing something a little different. The guys in the helicopter are looking out at them, but nobody else that would up before is looking out the edge to see if they're safe. And we know when Mike gets up to the top, he sees BT slumped off to the side. Okay, BT's gone or whatever. But then he noticed everybody else is slumped off to the side. Uh, we don't know if they're dead or if they're just unconscious. Mike goes a little ape shit. Tommy sees what's happening and releases the basket that he has kept up in and falls down into the zombies below to try to escape. And they take Mike and this family to the base. Mike wakes up in a cell, in a jail cell, not knowing where he is, what is going on, but he's in a jail cell next to Dennis. And Dennis is like, Mike? 
And Mike's like, Dennis, holy shit. Oh my God. Bromance. <laughs> they have a reunited. Uh, Dennis tells Mike about the whole thing. Mike tells Dennis about the whole thing. Basically, the end of the story is just kind of like the whole book led up to the end of this story where it's like the last 20 or 30 pages or so where you're like, oh, this is the direction he's uh-huh. taking the story now. is at the base. She's in bed with Dixon, literally. And we find that out in the next story. Sorry for spoilers, but nobody wants to think about that. Um, that he's always had a thing for Deneau and she was he was best friends with Deneau's husband and they set this whole thing up and Deneau is the 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 catalyst that kicked this whole thing off and she wants her rightfully placed. Powerful people always want more power. And it doesn't surprise me that this is what she's doing. So when they get to this part, Deneau doesn't know that Mike and his family have been captured yet. So when she comes in the the jail to to talk to Dennis just to kind of torment him a little bit. Mike hangs back in the shadows, and when she said she starts talking, Mike makes a comment, and Denoa is v- visibly shaken by this, like holy shit. But she recovers well. Uh, Mike says that you know she knows Mike's here. Okay, this is where it's going to happen. We got to kill Mike. We got to do all this. You got to kill his family and, and and everything else. And she goes to Dixon, tells him all this. And Dixon saying, no, we're going to use him for our advantage. His blood is the cure for what's <laughs> going on. Um, we're going to keep him. We're going to keep his family alive because as long as his family's alive, he'll do what we say. And Deneau says, no, as long as his family is alive, he'll do everything he can to protect them, which is basically kill everybody in there yep. who is threatening his family. This yep. ending was probably one of my favorites up to now of the series where I went, Agreed. Holy shit, this isn't, this isn't a filler book. Like I thought it was, this uh-huh. was a new beginning. He took this story and he went, okay, let's flip it upside down and take all these little characters that were really insignificant in the beginning. And we're going to totally just knock it out of the park and throw everybody for a friggin' loop. And it yep. was, you know, it- Bravo! Amazing. It, makes, it makes you want. You, it makes you absolutely want to like. I want to pull credit. I got to get. I got to get book eight now. Like yeah. for right now. I yeah. don't know what happened. Exactly what I did. When I came yeah. into this series, I think it was book ten or eleven, and I literally spent easily a couple hundred dollars buying easily. extra audible credits. And I hope Mark got a lot of that. Um, and it helped buy his new Bronco because I just, I spent so much friggin' money on all these books and I went, Oh wait, here's another book of his. What's this series? Holy shit. Let's yep. read this. Let's do that. You know what? Let's start a podcast. And here we are today. So that's what, uh, that's exactly what happened to me. Cause my, my, <laughs> like my wife was reading it first and then she kind of stopped reading it. So I just jumped on the train. And then once I read all of those, I'm like, Oh, Indian Hill. Oh, like, in fall, Oh, demon file, all of it. And it's just, it's just, I, I didn't even care. I was like three credits, three credits, three. I don't care. I'll just keep getting them. That's, I don't that's care. Exactly what happened to me. Yep. Yeah. I, read, <laughs> I, I listened to one and then I was like, all right, let me go for the other one. All right. The other one, the other yep. one. I think I started, uh, it was in the beginning of COVID. And I think he already had like what twelve or four or thirteen book, like fourteen books out by then. Yeah, I think there's, yeah. there's just in the zombie Fallout series. Never mind the yeah. rest of the books, but he was up to like ZF twelve, I believe, around that time. I might be wrong. I just kept going yeah. and going, and then 
then I like realize I'm like, oh my god, he's got alternate realities. <laughs> I was like, there goes, there goes my life. Like there goes there goes all my credits. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Time to get a yeah. second job to pay for more audible credits. Basically. Can we do a um can we do a quick honorable mention for uh Ron's daughter who Mike had to put down? Oh that shit, that's traumatic. right. Yeah. I had that in my notes. I ended up finding Melanie. Uh, this Mel is when they were up in. Um, is this when they were still in Maine? When Tommy yeah. and Mike go out, they find that there's a couple of hordes around. They end up taking bikes to go blow up some of the to go destroy some of the hordes. And Mike finds Melanie, and he's like, yeah. "Shit!" And he ends up killing Melanie. But it, they go back the next day to bury her, which was I thought that was the part. Each one of his stories has that fuck damn you, Mark. You're making me cry. You know, I used to cry during Grey's Anatomy every episode. I'm a big sissy like that, but that's a whole different story. And I'd be like, damn this show in every book almost with Mark. I'm like, damn you, Mark. But the whole thing with Melanie really struck a chord with me. Um, and that really hit my, as a dad, that really hit my heartstrings on that one. Thank you for, for for remembering that amber because i totally of forgot course. about that part that's what i'm here for i had a girl uh steve what was your reaction on that one because that was kind of i had forgotten about the whole melanie thing as well because you kind of get into the whole other stories of everything and then you find he's like it's melody i was like who oh shit that's right yeah my my reaction was immediately i just i went back to how you were talking about uh, how um they were doing the funeral pyre for Tommy's sister. And I just found it interesting how Mike was there for Tommy's sister mm -hmm. to put her down and finally get rid of her. And then Tommy was there for Mike when he had to put down his niece. And it just goes back to just show you the, like the humanity, the humanity that Mike still I think Mike still has a soul because mm -hmm. he's so he does just so just such human things and he has such human reactions and somebody not have a soul, but have the kind of reactions that he does was just, it's just still human. But yeah. once they, once I, I, I listened to that, I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is just like, it's not just a zombie book. Yeah, that's where I call BS on the whole Mike doesn't have a soul anymore. And that's what makes these stories great. It's, it's not just a zombie book. It's a, it's the people in the story that you connect with, that you get mm -hmm. vested in, that make you want to continue to listen and continue to read uh, these books. And I think that's what we all love about them. Yeah, 100%. So. Um, really quick, Chris, I don't even know what to think about this, but he said, do you think she could be in there like Tim was? We're not going there, Chris. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? I don't have the emotional space for that one. I yeah. don't at all. We'll talk I about don't. that next episode. We're not bringing that up today. <laughs> Chris, you're fired. <laughs> you just pissed off Amber. <laughs> I don't think you could put down a book series like he just did with that one sentence. You know what would have been trippy is when in the Tim series, the last story where Tim takes over the female, what if that was Melanie? Oh, no. And in See, order that... at the end of Tim, 
where Tracy kills Tim the first time when he's in the big dude at the end of it. That's the end of Tim when he's inside of Melody and Mike kills him at the building. What a mind fuck. Right, Mark, go do a rewrite. Tim four. This is where it ties in. All right, buddy. Let's, there we go. Let's go. Let's we'll make things happen. We're giving you ideas. Uh, <laughs> so um, we also find out in one of the epilogues of this about the scientists that are doing the cross species contamination. Uh -huh. with, is it Augie? Is Augie the name of the gorilla? Or do we not? We don't yeah. know yet. We find out next one that they're putting the zombie virus into a giant ass gorilla. It can even be a small ass mm -hmm. gorilla. It doesn't matter. Any gorilla is a bad idea to put a zombie anything that can get Anything that can get that big eating just plants is not a good idea. Like, what Indeed. are you doing? Yeah, and we're not doing that. Great yeah. advertisement for going, you know, paleo, not paleo, for going vegan or going uh, plant-based diet is look at gorillas. They just eat nothing but plants <laughs> and they are that friggin' big and strong. Seriously. Man. Seriously. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That book, book has that. a lot. Yeah. I like the Talbisode at the end where Mike is at his birthday party and he's upstairs in Colorado with Paul and Tracy and his family. And he needs this smoking weed and he needs more beer. And as he's walking down the stairs, the stairs change from rug to tile or whatever it is. And when he gets down the bottom of the stairs, he's 19 back at his parents' house in Walpole. And if that wasn't enough of a mind F, he's dating Beth. And I had forgotten mm. all about Beth. And Mike's like, what the hell is going on? Wait, Beth, why are you here in my house? He almost told her that his wife was upstairs and it was just kind of crazy about that whole thing. But when they find Dennis, and I think he wrote this part because we brought Dennis back in. He basically tells Beth, listen, uh, you're going to end up leaving me. You're going to go to work at Channel 5, become a, a news anchor. You're going to be an intern. You're going to sleep with your boss to get ahead. And we're going to end up breaking up. So whatever. And Beth is all pissed off. And my question is, has Beth ever been any decent somewhat of a decent person in any timeline because she's a bitch in all of them she really is she really is i mean that's the same as like thinking of a nice to know in another timeline like no it's not gonna happen so are you able to see the comment that i just put up on the screen guys that gorillas are omnivores yes they eat meat too so it's, it's a new feature i just found out that i can do i can add a comment to the actual big screen that's so, cool Chris is giving us a little zoology here on uh, on the Chronicles of Michael Talbot. So gorillas All right, eat Chris, me. You're reinstated. All right. You're reinstated now, Chris. Chris can come back to the family. <laughs> yeah, but when Mike also sees Dennis, he's all excited. Now, this kind of threw me for a loop because Dennis is alive in this timeline. And I don't remember the timelines where all this is. But Mike tells Dennis, listen, when you get into your 30s, you're going to develop diabetes and you're not going to treat it well and you're going to die. Take care of yourself and buy stock in Microsoft. And Dennis is like, what the hell are you talking about? Blah, 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 blah. So when Mike starts to go back up the stairs, he has one foot on the one step. Like he's in the middle. He's, he's, he's on the carpet step, the upstairs, and the bottom step, the tile stairs. And both Pauls are at the top of the stairs and the bottom of the stairs. And they can see each other. 
which was like total mind blown. And yep. Mike looks up at Paul and is like, that's some killer weed, huh? And he goes back upstairs and shuts the door. But Dennis is upstairs. Dennis yep. wasn't there before. Dennis was dead. So Mike going smoking this weed, which I got a theory on this as well in a second, goes downstairs, tells Dennis to take care of his diabetes, goes back upstairs and brings his friend back from the dead like nothing ever happened. But he doesn't invest in Microsoft. He thought he said Mattel or something like that, which went pretty well from as well. But when in this series does the Shrouded World first take first kick in? Is it after book six or seven? Do we know? Because I, I think thought, Nate, I thought, I thought I Nate said it came in after book six. I thought Shattered World started. Um, I thought he was talking about Life of Fallout started in six. I thought Shattered World started in the last book when um, Mike met Trip. So it started before this, then. I thought. Yeah. I thought it started after. Yes, thank you, Chris. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think because of Trip's weed no. that they got the weed from Trip. That because after Shrouded World, Trip's got the interdimensional weed. That that's the weed they were smoking. And that's what the whole upstairs, downstairs, bringing Dennis back, effing Beth, and all that shit took place. My, my, that was my thought. <laughs> yeah, I know in one of the shrouded, I think it was the second book where Trip actually explains why he's perpetually stoned. He well, yeah, because Trip says that the, the weed and the drugs help the help balance out the timelines and trip being kind of who he is it, it makes it all so his brain doesn't fry with everything that's going on and he can kind of keep it related into one another yeah and then it explain and then he goes into i just got up to this and the shot at where when they finally introduced a whole interdimensional reality thing and mm -hmm. it's it's still i'm still trying to wrap my head around it trying to figure it out but yeah it's something you have to listen to at least once or twice these aren't these <clears throat> these aren't stories that you can read just once because no, if you read them just once you're going to find out what the hell is going on and i wish i wish i wish and i said this to mark uh, a couple weeks ago if audible did their streaming service like the music industry does it where you get a percentage of each stream granted it's only pennies it's a fraction of a penny per stream. But if every time somebody streamed the book on Audible, even though they bought it already, that they get a percentage of it or with the whole like royalty sharing, he would make so much frigging money because you have to literally go back and listen to every story over again to understand fully what is happening. And did I read that correctly? And what is this part with this? And holy shit, yep. BT just mentioned yep. Callan Rose and, you know, Mark would be richer than he already is, you know, living in a, a bigger mansion than he already does on a bigger mountain than he already does. And more Many bulldogs. <laughs> driving a fancy, driving it, uh, uh, as many Jeeps as he wants. Yep. So, and he can afford something better than that goddamn New York Giants sweatshirt. Traitor. <laughs> anyway. Guys, this has been fun. Anything for final thoughts um, on this book or any of the other books that we have covered? Steve, we'll start with you first, seeing as you are a guest. Well, at first I thought it was a filler book, and then actually finishing it again for a multiple time. 
realizing that it's not a filler book. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not a filler book at all. None of his books are, and it's it's just opened up a whole universe in Zombie Fallout. Agreed. Agreed. Amber, we keep amped up past Amber's bedtime. What time are you going to get up to start work? Uh, uh, I wake up at two. <sighs> We're going to be work by three. Um, I remember. I, absolutely, I know it sucks. Uh, <laughs> I absolutely, it does. I'm so over it. Um, I absolutely love the books. I think that, again, I love the fact that it's not a. Um, it's not a filler book. It's something that's given you so much more context and makes you want to do the next one. But it's also not stupidly drawn out either. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's new adventures that are completing. It's new things that are actually stopping and going, stopping and going. And that's why I think I really, really enjoy it. Like, it's not six books of them trying to find a cure for BT. You know what I mean? And that's what I really, really enjoy about it. Like, they're beautifully quick, well, well-written um, stories that are just like, God, they just keep you on edge. Like, no mm-hmm. wonder we're at 21 fucking books. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I agreed with both points that you guys just said. And, I mean, we all know how I feel about uh, about Mark and his stories. I absolutely love them. It's become a it's become a, a part of my life at mm-hmm. this point. It has kind of redefined um, the trajectory and the path that I'm on right now because um, this podcast has really kind of changed things around. Where I'm I'm taking a step back from the the music scene and really getting in depth with this podcast right now and really doing a lot more with it. And I absolutely love it. I'm thrilled. There's no money in it. I don't get paid to do this. I do it because I love it. And it actually, you know, it, it costs me money to do this, but I don't care. I love these friggin' stories. And, you know, I love this man. And I, I love being able to talk to you guys about it because I love my wife. A lot of love in this conversation. Love my wife, but she doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about when I try to talk about <laughs> these stories. And Amber, this is how lucky you are that that you got Mel, that you can bounce things off of and you two can talk about this stuff. You know, and I know. And Mary's great and she humors me and she just kind of goes, yeah. Oh, that sounds interesting. Uh-huh. She's really in the background. Like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Crazy boy. Fuck is he right. talking about Bye. vampires, yeah. zombies and <laughs> fucking what is a, what is a bulker? What is that? Yeah. Like, like it's so much. <laughs> Who's tripping? What the F are you talking about? So, Oh, Mary, she just chimed in. Wait, here she is. She knows we're talking about her. So <laughs> hey, Mary. It's great. It's absolutely great. She actually listened to uh, when we ended up meeting up with Mark and Tracy for dinner that night. We listened to Zombie Fallout One on the ride back, and she's like, "All right, I wanna, I wanna listen to it. I wanna get into it." And she's not an audiobook person. She's not a podcast person. She's a nurse. She's on calls twenty four seven, always talking with people and everything else. So I, I get why she doesn't have time. And um, she listened to it and she, she hears the Boston humor in it and everything else. And she gives me that. She's like, all right, I can see the appeal of this. I get it. This, and she mm-hmm. audibly laughed out loud a couple of times. She's like, you can tell he's from Boston. He's got that Boston tone in him and that sarcastic wit about it. And you know, that's, what's great where she's not even, you know, she's not a fan. She's a friend at this point, but she became a, a fan sort of after hearing, you know, a little bit, just even, it wasn't even a quarter of ZF one, but she got the appeal yeah. and understands why I'm, you know, I'm hibernating in the studio for an hour and a half every Wednesday night. So she gets it. 
she gets me. Love that. Love that. Love that. <laughs> uh, thank you all for joining me. Uh, joining us, I should say. Thank you for everybody down in the chat. If you want to be sitting in Steve's seat next week, email me. Michael Talbot podcast at iCloud.com. Get yourself on the show. Interact with us. We're going to be doing book eight next week. And I am super excited for this because we are in phase two of the zombie fallout world. Uh, thank you very much for me. Uh, my awesome co-host, Amber Smith. See you guys next week. Chris Diaz joining us for the first time. Chris, hopefully you'll come back another time. It was great having you on, buddy. We really appreciate it. Yes. Uh, check out Chronicles of Michael Talbot, the podcast up on Facebook. If you're watching this now, you're on Facebook. But we also have the audio version on Audible. Uh, just look in the podcast feed. This video only stays up on Facebook for 30 days. So if you want to go back, we're kind of all over the place right now where some of the older episodes were on YouTube. Uh, I'm going to get them all up on Spotify eventually. But Spotify is where you can find the videos from now. Excuse me. From now on uh and everything like that oh shit almost forgot to tell you uh save this to the Cameo. end i'm a yes thank you because i'm a spacehead we are going to i wasn't, giving... gonna, I wasn't gonna let you forget it <laughs> i wasn't gonna let you forget it gonna... we are going to be giving away uh a cameo from mark to you to say merry christmas and behalf of listening to this this are is how you will win it so uh, and he was thinking about this all week and I cleared this with Mark to make sure he was okay with this. What we're going to do is we can see everybody that watches the live stream. So for the next two weeks, including tonight and next week, we're going to go through the live stream and see who is in there. Um, and we're going to have a non-denominational third party pick three people, three at random, and what we're going to do is we're going to let those three people know that they are three finalists. And we need you to send in a little bit of a bio about yourself because how Cameo works is that the celebrity that you talk to usually do it for a family member or a friend. Uh, Mary's daughter had done one for her birthday, uh, for Christmas, excuse me. And then she did one for her daughter for her wedding. Um, where the celebrity kind of talks to you like, oh, congratulations. I heard you graduated from dentistry school and things like that. So you're going to send those three people are going to send us in a little bio about yourself. And then from there, our non-denominational third party is going to pick one person. And then we're going to send that one off to Mark. And Mark is going to send you a cameo for Christmas. Yay. Um, Gotta love that. So, it's only for people who have watched the show in the stream. Get your name up there. Uh, we're going to go through it and figure it out. We're going to pick three people next week. We will notify you on the Chronicles page on Facebook. So this is really just a shameless self-promotion to get more people to watch the stream, to interact with us on the page and watch the podcast. But you're going to get something mm -hmm. free. And you're going to get something really nice from our favorite author, Mr. Mark Tufo. So there you go. I just babbled a real lot. And I said that really fast. And you know what? You can watch this over again, or you can email me, Michael Talbot podcast at iCloud.com and say, what the F did you just say? Cause I couldn't. <laughs> I know mouth works faster than my brain. My apologies, kids. So very excited. Everybody. Thank you very much. Amber, go to bed. We don't need you crashing uh, the dump truck in the middle of uh, 
I won't. Or Philadelphia, or wherever, Pennsylvania. I don't want to read about you in the news. It would so. not happen. Nope. <laughs> I'll, pull over, I'll pull over and take a nap before that shit happens. <laughs> there you go. So, everybody, thank you very much. Steven, thank you very much. Everybody, have a good night. We'll talk to you later. Good night. See you guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye. You have been listening to the Chronicles of Michael Talbot, the podcast. Copyright 2023 by Chestnut Hill Studios. Hosted by Jeff Royds. Co-hosted by Amber Smith. Technical advisor, Mary Napoli. Music by Burnt Ends. The Chronicles of Michael Talbot, the podcast, is a production of Chestnut Hill Studios. No part of this recording can be rebroadcast, remixed, rewind, remastered, rewrapped without the express written concern of Chestnut Hill Studios. Follow the show on Facebook and Instagram, and don't forget to give us a five-star rating and review. It does help others find the show. And it makes us feel good about ourselves. Make sure to check out the collective works of Mark Tupo at marktupo.com or available on Amazon or audio version on Audible. For booking information, email us at michaeltalbotpodcast at icloud.com. This is the end of the show. You may now go about your regularly scheduled day.